pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. I'm glad to be in the house of God tonight. Thankful for every opportunity that God gives us to come together. You know, His Word says, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He'd be in the midst. Hallelujah. And I'm just thankful for that. I praise God for His goodness and His mercy and His love and His favor. And man, God is just so good to us. I want to talk to you tonight about a fellow by the name of Joshua. There's a plaque on the church building in England. And this is what it says. In the year 1653, when all things sacred throughout the land were either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley built this church. His singular praise is this, to have done the best of things in the worst of times. You know, 17th uh, century England was the worst of times for the British people. Uh, King Charles I had been tried for treason, been beheaded, injustice was running rampant in the land. Um, churches were being harassed. A lot of them were being closed down. Dark time in England. But Sir Robert Shirley used the things that God had provided him with. He was a wealthy man. Uh, and he used the things that God had given him and he built a church. He invested his money in the kingdom of God. In a time when churches were being shut down and closed down and harassed, he built a church. Did the best of things in the worst of times. So I got a question for you tonight. What are you doing with your things? In our nation right now, this isn't the best of times. Man, inflation's running rampant. People just looking for a reason to fight one another and be against one another. You know, war raging in, in Europe and nobody knows how that's going to turn out and how, how things are going to be with that. And got the abortion thing going on again. You know, they leaked the... The opinion has been laying around since the first part of the year and hadn't been actually decided yet, but somebody leaked that, so that's got the abortion folks all in an uproar and they're afraid they're not going to meet their quota of killing 93 million babies this year. So, you know, it, it's... It's a mass divorce, you know, folks don't stay married anymore. You know, we live in a throwaway society. If something breaks, you just get another one. You know, your microwave goes out, you throw it out. You know, you, 
your refrigerator quits, buy another one. You know, we don't fix anything anymore. We just throw it away and get another one. Works out a lot of the same way in, in a lot of marriages. Well, this one ain't no good. I'm going to get me a different one. Before you know it, you got somebody that's been married three or four times and they think the other person is always at fault. I had an old preacher one time tell me, he said, you ran across somebody been married more than twice? The other people wasn't the problem. But divorce, child abuse, pornography, child pornography, just running rapid in, in, in our country and, and in the world. But what are you doing? Every everything's like the, like I said in that beginning statement, you know, they talked about the, on the plaque of the church, everything sacred being profaned. And, and that's where we are a lot of times in our country. So when the master returns for his final accounting, when we stand before him, is he going to be pleased when we go to meet him? Is he going to say, enter in, good and faithful servant? been faithful over a few things I'll make you rule over many is he going to see a good return on his investment in us are we doing the best of things in the worst of times and tonight like I said I want to talk to you about a fellow by the name of Joshua and his story is found in a vision in Zechariah chapter 3. He was given a great opportunity and he faced great challenges. And we're just going to talk about him for, for a few minutes. You know, it was one of the most difficult times in uh, the nation of Israel's history. And we'll just see what he what he does here. I'm just going to read the first verse here. This is Zechariah chapter 3. This is the English Standard Version. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. You know, God chose the Israelites as a nation for a special purpose. They were, they were given the scriptures and, and they did a, a good job of pres preserving them. Romans chapter 3, verse 2 in the NIV says, Much in every way, first of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. They were adopted as the children of God. You know, God came to Abram and told him, said, I want you to go and I want you to walk. I'm going to give you a land. Says every, every place that your foot, foot treads is going to be yours. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. God chose them from Abraham and came through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and got his name changed to Israel. And from him came all the nations of, all the tribes of the nation of Israel. You know, the, they were uh, adopted by God. They, they were 
they experienced the glory of God at Sinai. They experienced it in Solomon's temple. They received God's law through Moses. God told Moses, hey, this is how I want you to do the temple. I want it built exactly like this. I, I, I want the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. I want it built exactly like this. This is what I want you to build it out of. This is the size I want you to build it. And these are the things I want you to build it out of. And this is what I want you to do. And he gave them specific directions. The church I was at a few years ago, I taught Sunday school. I spent a year teaching on the tabernacle and what it was made out of. A lot of explicit instructions there. But they were given all that, and it was from that nation that our Savior Jesus Christ came from. Romans 9, 5, New International Version says, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. The psalmist David was talking about it. He said it poetically like this, Psalms 147, 19 and 20. This is the New King James Version. It said, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel, he has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known him. And the knowledge of God is a powerful thing. But if any of you like superheroes, you know what Peter Parker's Uncle Ben said to him. With great knowledge comes great responsibility. So as you look through the Old Testament and you look and you read and you find the ancient nation of Israel going from struggle to struggle. Seems like they were always struggling. They were always in a mess and they never measured up completely to the responsibility that God had gave them. They just progressively got worse and worse until finally the nation of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar came and they warred against Israel at, at Jerusalem and they eventually carried the Jews away captive. Why? Because they didn't like listening to God. They'd do good for a while. They'd remember God and they would love God and they would praise and they would worship God and they would do good for a while but then when everything was going good they'd forget about God and go about their own way. I heard this the other day. I said, my grandfather walked everywhere that he went. My father drove a Buick. I drive a Cadillac. My son will drive a Mercedes. His son will be walking. 
And somebody said, why? He said, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. So the nation of Israel would do good for a while and then they'd forget about God and they would go, go about doing their own thing. So here we are, we're with Israel and, and, and Babylon comes in under Nebuchadnezzar and carries them away and takes them to Babylon where they're going to be for 70 years. 70 years they live with the consequences of decisions that other people had made. Young people living in Babylon that were carried out from Israel, married, they had children. They kept their culture to, to a degree, but they didn't offer sacrifices in the temple. Why not? Because they didn't have a temple. There wasn't a temple. They learned to live in a place that they had to live in. But it wasn't their place. There are times in our lives when we have to just do the best that we can. You know, the prophet Jeremiah told them whenever they were, were carried away, he told them early on, plant gardens, get married, have kids, just live. If you want to read it, you can read Jeremiah chapter 29 and it gives that whole thing. But he also gave them a promise that one day after the 70 years was over that God would visit them and he would bring them back to Jerusalem. There are times when we just got to ride out the season that we're in. You know, what's going on right now isn't the way it's always going to be. God's going to carry us through and we're going to make it to the other side and, and things are going to change. We have to just ride out this season and be faithful to God in the season that we're in. Do the things that we can do. There's nothing else to do but do the best of things in the worst of times. You know, eventually that, that Babylonian empire was toppled and Cyrus the Great became king and he would issue a decree that allowed the nations that had been taken captive to be able to be returned home, those nations that had been brought and been transplanted into Babylon, they were able to go back to their homelands. The Jews were able to return to their place. But only a small group decided to return. And there was a rebuilding project that took place. They rebuilt their place of worship. The temple... Eventually, they began to rebuild the walls of protection around Jerusalem. And there were struggles, and there were ups and downs, and there were problems on the, on the way. There were political, and there were spiritual battles. And here's the thing. When you begin to rebuild, when your life has been just messed up, the devil comes in, and he, he just wreaks havoc in your life. And... and you go back to God and you, you're like, okay, God, you know, I, I, something's got to change, Lord. You know, we got we to do something. 
There's going to be battles along the way. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be battles anytime you start to rebuild. And, and don't let anybody fool you about life. When we decide to have children, guess what? We're going to have problems. We decide to start a business, guess what? We're going to have problems. We decide to go back to college and finish a degree, we're going to have problems. There's going to be battles all along the way. Everything that we do, everything we put our hands to, we're going to have battles that we have to push through and we have to, to, to work out and get through by holding on to God's hand. Back in Zechariah chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 and verse 3, English Standard. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. You know, there in, in that text that we just read, you know, there's, there's the young man Joshua. He was born in Babylon to a family that had been brought captive from Israel and transplanted in, in, into Babylon and brought there. And here he is. God's chosen him to participate in temple duty. He was a descendant of Aaron, the high priest. And because he was a descendant of Aaron, that's why he was chosen for that job. It was his responsibility to fulfill the duties uh, of leading the nation in worship to God. You imagine the fear and the anxiety that, that this young man had to have experienced as he stood before the altar for the very first time. Because here's the thing, if, you, if you're the high priest and you go in to minister in the holy place, sorry, in, in the holy of holies, you go in to take the blood sacrifice in to sprinkle it on the mercy seat, if you ain't exactly right, they're going to drag you out dead. You had to grow through a purification ritual. You had to wash a certain way. You had to, to take blood and you had to put blood on yourself in certain places after you had washed. You had to put on the, the clothes just right. And after you had did all that and you had prepared yourself the best way that you could, then you tied a rope around your ankle because if you died in there, they had to drag you out because nobody else could go in. You imagine how he felt that first time he stood there to minister. He had never done it before. It was something new. He didn't know. You know, he represented the, the entire nation of Israel to God. All of their faults and all their failures and all their stumbling, that's what he was standing before God for. And we read in that first verse that 
Zechariah saw in the vision, Joshua standing there before the altar and Satan was standing in his right hand, ready to accuse him. Anytime in the Word of God you see it talking about the right hand, it's talking about power. How often have you began to do the thing that you know that you should be doing? And in your ear is the voice of shame and doubt accusing you. That voice that echoes in the shadows of our hearts. You know, those things that, that hide in the darkness but come out whenever we decide that we're going to try and move forward. We're going to do the thing that God has called us to do. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to step out. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. I'm ready to be bold. Um, I'm ready to do this thing. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not. That voice begins talking in your ear. You can't do this. You ain't worthy to be doing this. And you know how many times you've messed up and you fell short and you've failed and you, you've tried to do the thing and, and, and you just couldn't do it. You know, sometimes that voice is a voice of terrifying fear. That voice that tells us we cannot. You can't go forward. Things are not going to work out. You're going to fail. You're not qualified. No, we aren't. No one is qualified. But the Holy Ghost comes and he equips us to carry out the mission that God has placed in us. And he brings us the knowledge and, and the ability to do the things that we know that we need to do. All we have to do is prepare. When we prepare, when we put it on the inside of us, whenever we, we just getting ready for a message, whenever we study, whenever we put the word inside of us, whenever we get behind the desk, whenever we get in that place where we're supposed to minister, then the spirit comes and it brings out the things that we've hidden away in us in God. It allows us to be sensitive to the spirit and know just what God wants us to do and what God wants us to say. You know, Satan came out of the shadows to accuse Joshua. He sneaks in, comes out of the shadows. You know, when Paul was in that shipwreck and they were on Malta and, and, and he was gathering wood for the fire and he, you know, you've all heard the story. He brought the wood and he took it and he threw it in the threw his sticks in the fire, and when he threw the sticks in the fire, a viper came out of the wood that he had, latched onto his hand, bit him. And those people that saw him knew that that was a deadly snake that just bit him. 
He shook it off in the fire and he went about his business. But everybody that saw that snake bite him, they, they thought to themselves and they were talking among themselves, that guy's got to be really evil. He's got to be really bad for something like that to happen to him. And they began to accuse him because of what they saw happen to him. And, and that's the way it is a lot of times in our lives. You know, things will happen to us and people will begin to accuse us. Well, you know, if they wasn't, if it wasn't something wrong, they wouldn't be going through those things. No, not necessarily. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said that he came that we would have life and that more abundant. We would have that God kind of life, that God quality of life. Amen. So it's up to us to do it, to, to move and to do the things, you know. But what happens is when we begin to move forward, then we begin to receive resistance. You know, after Israel left Egypt, they were tempted in the wilderness. When Jesus was baptized by John, the Spirit led him up and took him out into the wilderness. What happened there? He was tempted. After the church was born, there in the book of Acts, they had resistance. They experienced persecution. And we can lament this thing. We can feel sorry for ourselves. We can wish that it wasn't true. We can kick and scream and live lives that are constantly frustrated. Or we can change our perspective just a little bit and come to understand that this is how the game of life is played. And we've got to play it. You know, you'd think it odd if you went to a football game and there was only one team there. What if that's just how life is? What if we're built for challenge? You know, in, in the prophet's vision, Joshua was clothed in filthy garments. That, that represented his, his iniquity and represented of the sin of the entire nation of Israel. It, it was just like all of their sins and, and his sins had marred his life to the place that the enemy had plenty to say. Adversaries called the accuser of the brethren in a few places. You know, each time we see Satan in the scripture, that's what he's doing. He's accusing, but the angel and the adversary and Joshua aren't the only players on the field. Another voice speaks out. And the first thing he does is rebuke the adversary. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2, English Standard. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen, Israel, chosen Jerusalem rebuked you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? And I just want to say this and put this out there. If you're always accusing somebody, if you're always talking about somebody, maybe you're on the wrong side.
But God's voice speaks out, and the first thing he does is he tells the enemy, shut up. Just be quiet. Technical difficulties. Hallelujah. Maybe the sound will come back now. Find where I'm at. That word rebuke means to express sharp disapproval. God's here this evening. He's standing next to you, next to each and every one of us. Standing by your side as your advocate, telling the adversary, telling the accuser, be quiet. You know, it's one of the titles for Jesus in the New Testament. It's the advocate. John chapter 1 verses. 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. New King James. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. The big word, propitiation. What's that mean? Atonement. He's the one that took the place. He's the one that atoned for our sins. He's the one that forgave us and continues to forgive us every time we mess up. He's our advocate. He's the one that's standing there whenever we mess up and the enemy comes and says, you see what that one did? You see, you, you, did you see where he messed up? And Jesus comes along and he says, my blood has been applied. And Father God, the judge, looks and he says, I don't see nothing but the blood of my dear son. Jesus is our atonement. He's our advocate. He's the one standing there for us. He's our defense attorney in the court of God. 1 John 1, 4 through 10, King James, says, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He stands willing and ready and able to forgive us of our sins. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 35, the NIV, says what? Then shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against them? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Man, whenever we confess our sins, whenever we decide to be baptized, whenever we turn towards God and walk in His direction, whenever we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, God justifies us. And we become just as if we had not sinned. So back to Zechariah. i got to hurry up. Verse 4, English Standard Version in verse 5. says, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by, and the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge. Then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. God commands that the filthy garments be removed from Joshua and, and that he's given a clean garments and, and, a, and a turban you know, that turban was the headdress of the high priest. You know, he wanted him to be clothed the way that he needed to be clothed to work in the temple of God, to be able to minister to the people, to be able to get their sins atoned for every year. And God wants to equip you to do what you need to do. Whatever God has destined you to do, God wants to equip you for it. God wants to provide for you to be able to do. All you have to do is start walking in his direction, tune out the voice of the adversary, and begin to tune in the voice of the Lord that's speaking into your life. It's amazing what power the voices that we listen to have over us. God's voice is the voice that says you can. God's voice is the one that says, I've provided for you to be able to do everything that you need to do in my kingdom and to be able to get the job done that I've called you to do. God had a next for Joshua. He wasn't just destined to be that little boy that was born into Babylonian captivity. 
He was destined to go back to Israel to work in the tabernacle to be a high priest before God. You know, it wasn't a time of great prosperity there. They were slaves. They were captives. They were, they were locked up. It, it was a time of difficulty. It was a hard time. But Joshua chose to walk with God. We need men and women today who are willing to walk with God, even when times are not the best. We need men and women who will walk with God and do the things that God has called them to do, even when there's contrary voices telling them you can't do that. We need men and women of God who will stand and who, who, will, who will put their shoulder to the wheel, as the old saying is. Put their shoulder to the wheel, put their nose to the grindstone, no matter what contrary voices say, no matter what evil surrounds them. And that's the thing. You tonight might be standing on the edge of a great opportunity. But your opportunity might be surrounded by challenge. What are you going to do? You're going to allow the voices from the shadows to convince you that it's all hopeless and you can't do it, or are you going to listen to the voice of truth that's speaking life into your spirit and telling you, you can make it. You can do it. I'm standing right here. You need anything, you just tell me. I'm waiting. Don't let those negative voices from the shadow hinder your walk with God. Go the way that God has you to go. Go the way he wants you to go. And you might be facing some bad things. Things might be rough. The road might be rocky. But God is standing right there with you. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful tonight, Lord God, for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that have watched, Lord God, on Facebook, God. We ask you, Father, that you'd let this work be an encouragement to them, God. We just honor you and we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done, Lord. Ask you, Father, that you just move. Let us, Lord God, walk and do the things that you have called us to do tonight, Lord. We honor you, God, for everything that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for moving. Just have your way, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all tonight. We appreciate you. We'll see you Sunday morning, Mother's Day. If your mama's still living, call her, go visit her, do something. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.